John 1 in a moment. And we're, we started this series last weekend called That You May Believe. And we're going to be, it'll be probably most of the year that we're going through the book of John, verse by verse. And today I titled this message, Behold the Lamb. And let me just tell you the four things we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about John the Baptist. We're going to talk about our purpose in life. We're going to talk about baptism. And then we're going to talk about Jesus as the, the Lamb of God. So that's where we're going to go today in the passage. In order to start, we're going to be looking at a little history and learn some things about John the Baptist. By the way, John the Baptist, do you know what he had in common with Smokey the Bear and with Winnie the Pooh? They had the same middle name. Oh, come on now. Come on. Got to have a little something every week, right? So, John the Baptist, some, some people don't like to use Baptist. Uh, they'll say John the Baptizer because he truly wasn't a Baptist yet. There was no Baptist organization yet. But we're going to call him John the Baptist because that's what it says in Scripture. But uh, let's, and you're in your Bibles, Matthew 3, let's start in verse 1. It says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, here was his message, here's what he was preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. And then it goes into the verse in Isaiah. It says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Verse 4, John's clothes were made of camel's hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. What were they doing when they went out? They were confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So this kind of sets us up a little bit of a a preview of John, where he's at. We see that he's not in Jerusalem. He's out at the Jordan River. He's baptizing people. He's a little different type of character, wouldn't you say? He's wearing this garment of camel's hair, which I did a little research on camel's hair. I pictured it as being like real scratchy. I've been on a camel before, and I thought, man, it must be really scratchy. And so they actually, they say camel hair is really, really soft. Not as soft as cashmere, but it's on that. And it's very, it has very good insulative values because there's air inside of the the uh, the fibers, which makes it better for when it's hot or cold for a camel, and also it's water repellent. So it was actually kind of a different type of outfit with a leather belt. But what really gets me is he's out there eating bugs, okay, <laughs> dipping it in his his honey sauce, you know, and they probably taste good with honey on it, I guess. But here's the thing about John the Baptist, and in some ways, like Jesus, unconventional. He wasn't your religious type. In other words, when John went preparing the way for Jesus, it was like breaking the stereotype of what religious people were to be like. They all wore these other linen garments, and they were in, the, in Jerusalem, around the temple, or in the synagogues. And This is like totally different. And it was almost like preparing the people for Jesus was breaking them out of the the uh, conventional way that people saw 
uh, a relationship with God. Well, in fact, they just saw it as a religion, a bunch of rules, or regulations, and uh, this is different. So these people are coming out, and John has a message for them, repent, which means change your mind, change your mind, change your thinking. Repentance, it comes from the word metanoia, change your mind. And then he was baptizing them. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. Now, turn in your Bibles to John 1. That's where we'll be the rest of the message. I wanted to be in Matthew so you could see a little bit of the, the background. John 1, we're going to start in verse 19. Uh, Pastor Brian got us up to verse 18 last week. And it says this. Now, this was John's testimony. Again, not talking about John the Apostle, but John the Baptist. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. So we saw there in Matthew, all these people were coming out. They were coming from all the regions. They were coming to the Jordan River. They were getting baptized. They heard John preaching. And it got the attention of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. They were known as the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin would be like the Supreme Court, but related to a religious side. They were made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Levites were different. Levites were like the workers. And here they're going out to like check on who is this guy out there? Now, you got to remember, the Jewish people were really looking forward to the Messiah coming. They were waiting. But see, their thought of the Messiah was somebody that was going to free them from Roman rule. They were looking for a political leader. Sometimes in our day, we look for a political leader that's going to deliver us from all the problems that we're dealing with, right? But I don't know that it's going to be a, relig- a political leader that's going to help us as much as it's going to be Jesus. So here's the thing. They were looking, they were looking for the Messiah. They're seeing this person is getting these crowds, and so they're going, and they're sent on this mission, these priests and Levites. Go find out who he is. What authority does he have for doing all this? Remember, he's, he's unconventional. He's outside of what they normally would, were doing. It was almost like an anti-establishment was happening. But he confessed, I'm not the Messiah. Now, who was John the baptizer, or John the Baptist? Well, first of all, his parents were uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we're not going to go into all the verses in Scripture, but that's what his parents, Zechariah was a priest. Uh, Elizabeth, both of them came from the the Levite, uh, tribe of Levite, which meant they could be uh, uh, in either Levites or priests if they were a line of Aaron. So the family line of Aaron is where the priest came from. Zechariah, which is John the Baptist's dad, was a priest. And that's going to be important in this story here. So I just register that away. His dad is a priest. His mom was obviously a, a very uh, godly woman. And let me tell you what their names meant. Zechariah means Jehovah remembers. And Elizabeth's name, it meant the oath of God. And I love it, putting those two names together. Jehovah remembers the oath of God. And along comes John the Baptist with his very important uh, message. Now, at this time, before they had a, a child, they were old. And the Bible says that Elizabeth was barren, 
She was past the age of being able to have a child. And we pick this up where Zechariah is serving in the temple. Remember, he's a priest. And look on the, on the uh, screen coming from Luke chapter 1. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Let's just stop there for a moment. Can you imagine how many years Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a child? Some of you have been praying for something for a long, long time, and you're wondering, has God ever even heard my prayer? Don't give up. Don't give up. God is in the business of answering prayers. He may not answer it in our timing, and you're going to see he's going to answer this prayer, but it wasn't in their timing, obviously. It was much later. And here's what it's going to say. It says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. That's John the Baptist here. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Very special calling on John's life. And here's this angel giving this message to Zechariah as he's there in the temple. And lo and behold, it happened exactly the way this angel told him. Later on, Zechariah is, after John's born, Zechariah, his dad, is singing this song in Luke 1. And I took a couple of verses from this song, and you'll see it here, verse 76 and 77. It says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. What that says in that verse there is that dad knew the special calling on his son's life. He knew that he was not going to be the Messiah. He was preparing the way for the Lord. And he also knew how is salvation going to come? Through the forgiveness of sins. And that's no different than any of us today. How are we going to be saved? Through the forgiveness of sins, the, the, the mission that the Lord came on, the gospel. Now, what else do we know about his parents? Well, we do know this, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she became pregnant with Jesus, remember, you know, she was told, you're, you know, I know you're a virgin, but you're pregnant. And she's like trying to make sense of this. She went to her relative, Elizabeth, same Elizabeth. And when she went there, it says that when Mary spoke to Elizabeth, that the baby inside of Elizabeth jumped for joy, and it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It may have been that was the time when John was filled with the Holy Spirit, right there in that time. John was born six months before Jesus. So that's just kind of a, a little bit of a, a knowledge of where we're at with this. Now let's go back to the story, verse 21. They asked him, this is the religious leaders, remember, talking to John. Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. See, these were other people that they had known about that were going to come before the Messiah came, so they're asking him. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? 
John replied with the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. This is the original voice. If you like to watch that show, the voice, this is John. He's the voice. But you know what? It's always important to know when you know who you are, it's also important to know who you're not. He knew who he wasn't. He wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't the the prophet. That prophet is a reference to uh, Deuteronomy 18, where it talked about a certain prophet coming and so forth. What he knew was, I'm just a voice. He knew he was a fulfillment of Isaiah 40, verse 3, though. And you see that passage on the screen. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, how did he know all this stuff? I believe that a big part of it was his parents. Remember, his dad was a priest. His mom was also from a priestly line, from the line of Aaron. We saw Zechariah given that song of knowing the prophecy of John. And I think this is an important part for all of us. I know there's a lot of parents in this service. And that's this point here. The parents, we need to train our kids to know God, His Word, and their purpose in life. That is so important. As parents, and even as grandparents, we have such an important role that we are the primary ones that God is going to use to train our kids to know God, to know His Word, and to find their purpose in life. Barbara and I were extremely blessed yesterday to get a text from our daughter-in-law that said our four-year-old granddaughter went running up to her yesterday and says, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. She just turned four. She had enough understanding because of them talking to her about needing a relationship with God that she yesterday prayed to invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior. How did that start? Started through parents pouring into kids. And each and every one of you, it is so important that we prioritize our spiritual development of our kids way more than anything else. I'm saying more than sports, more than academics, more than success in life type of career choices. A relationship with God is so important. I know it's one of the things that Barbara and I did with our kids, just pouring into them early days with our kids. I know she was much better than I was because I was busy, distracted with my business career and so forth, but she was so adamant about training the kids from the time they're in a high chair and all the, what we did over the years of pouring into our kids through family devotions and making sure that church was a priority in their lives and having them have a relationship with um, youth pastors and, and so forth. I mean, I was extremely blessed by having the youth band here today. I hope you guys were. Because we have incredible ways that we're raising people up. And right now, as we're in here, we've got people ministering to your kids in our kids' ministry. And they're not just babysitting. That's not what they're doing. They're ministering to them with the Word of God and with worship. But that's supplemental to the role that the parents have. So we need to do that. And I believe that Zechariah... And Elizabeth did that, and that's why John had such a sense about the calling that he had on his life. And as parents, we can't lead our kids where we're not going. 
We need to lead by example. So important for us. Now, part of the, the purpose that we have in life is like what John said about himself. And that's the next point here is we are to be a voice that God speaks through. Each and every one of us, I can, I can say that from the Word of God, we are to be a voice. Last week, Pastor Brian talked about Jesus as the Word. See, He is the Word, we are the voice. And you see how they, they fit together? He is the Word, we are the voice. As I'm up here, I'm the voice. I'm sharing His Word. I'm just a spokesman. In some ways, we're like the mailman. We didn't write the mail. We just deliver it. This is the role that we have. We are to be a voice. And you know what that requires of all of us? We need to be bold. We need to be able to step out of our comfort zone. One of the enemies of Christianity is comfort. And in America, so often we can get so comfortable that we lull ourselves to kind of a complacency. And we're not taking that bold step like we need to. Well, John was very bold. He was out there, and he, he, well, we'll see down in later, I mean, he's got pretty bold with the religious leaders, calling them a brood of vipers and things like that. But he was also a man who knew his calling, what he was supposed to do. See, another aspect of our, of our purpose in life is this. We were created to give God glory by loving him and loving others. Those two things that I just shared with you, you can say Anyone, and, and it's about you, that we are to be that voice, and we are to give God glory. And we do that by loving God and loving others. You can summarize it. And we all have other specific things, but that's what we want to do in our lives. Now, let's keep moving on in the story. Verse 24. Now, the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. See, John knew who he wasn't. He wasn't the Messiah, but he also had a humility about him. And I love this aspect. I believe the reason why John could be used mightily is because he was humble. When he made this statement, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, you know what that's a reference to? When people would come into a, a Jewish home, they oftentimes had servants there. The lowest servant, or could have been a slave even, the lowest one were the, was the one who would untie the sandals and wash the feet. You know what John's saying here? I'm not even that. I couldn't even do that with Jesus. He's so much beyond me. So, he said, I'm just like, I, I'm not even worthy to be able to do that. He is so worthy. I'm not. And, he, and so you see the humility come across. But now the, the Jewish people were familiar with baptism. Baptism did not originate with, with Christianity. Some of you may not know that. The Jewish people, would, uh, they had a, a ritual, a baptism for a Gentile who wanted to become Jewish. So here's what it would be like if, if somebody said, okay, I'm a Gentile, but I want to become Jewish. They would have this baptism, and they would baptize themselves. It was an act of purification. A, a Jewish person would not get in the water with a Gentile. 
They still considered them kind of unclean at that point. So the, the person would get baptized, they'd come up out of the water, and then they could start in the process of becoming a, a Jewish person uh, and through conversion. So these people were familiar with it, but they were not familiar with what John was doing. John's baptizing not Gentiles. He's baptizing Jewish people. And he's in the water doing this. They're like, this is all confusing to them. What is going on there? And these people did not get, these religious people did not get baptized by John. But other people were. Look at this passage from Luke 7, verse 29 through 30. It says, all the people, even the tax collectors, every time it mentions that, that was kind of the lowest of low as far as the, the sinners, so to speak. Even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But don't mix this next sentence. This is a pretty strong statement. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. You know what that last part of that says? It says that we can reject the purpose of God by not being baptized. That's pretty strong. It's important that we see how important baptism is. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that here in a moment. But let me tell you what. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo means immersion or submersion. It was, a, it was a term that the people would have been very familiar with because here's what they would do. They would have a garment that they would make. So let's say they made it out of wool. And they wanted to change the color of it, so they put it in a dye. And they would use different plants crushed up to make the dye, and they put it in the water. And so the process would be to take that garment, put it under, into that, they would call that baptizo, that immersion of that garment. And when it came up, it, it came up with the dye. It, would, it absorbed the dye into the, into the fibers of the, of the garment. So they were familiar with this term. This is what baptism is. It's, it's like we are going under and we're coming up different. This is what baptism is. It was never meant to be like a, a sprinkle a little bit of water on your, on your head. It was a, an immersion. That's what it is. And I want to share with you some reasons for baptism. Because it's throughout the scripture, it's through all the gospels, it's all through the early church. First of all, why should we be baptized? Number one. Jesus commanded it, and he modeled it. Now, remember this. Jesus got baptized, and he was not a sinner. But he modeled that, I believe, for us. And we're going to see later on in this message the, the actual time when Jesus was baptized. But he commanded it, too. In fact, the last words that he basically was given to his disciples was that go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So he commanded it. Next. What baptism is, is an outward example and symbol of our inward change. Once we become a Christian, and this is why we don't baptize babies, we dedicate babies, but you do not find infant baptism in the Scripture. It became a part of church history later on in, in, uh, in uh, history, but it was never in the Scripture. It was always you believe first, and because you're a believer, you acknowledge it, now you get baptized. And so it's an outward expression that you've invited Jesus into your life. It's a part of that. It's, it's showing others. It's, never to, it's always to be public, and it should never be like 
I'm going to get baptized my, by myself in my own bathtub. Nobody's going to see. I'm kind of embarrassed by it. It's, it's to be outward. In fact, Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before others, before other people, I will acknowledge you to the Father. But there's also a warning there. He says, if you can't acknowledge me to other people, I'm not going to acknowledge you to the Father. So baptism is part of our public expression of our faith. Next, is it identifies us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, it's, it's symbolic of when we're standing in the water, whether it's at the ocean or at the pool, when we're standing there in the water, it's like we're still in our old life. And when, when you, you start to go back, you know, we always have a, a, a pastor or an elder or a leader right there, two, one on each side. When you start to go back, it's a picture of death. When you go underwater, it's like you're buried. You've died, you're buried. And when you come up out of water, it's like a picture of the resurrection. That's why we do baptism that way. And so that is symbolic of that, but it helps us identify with that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the last reason we do it is just to obey God, like anything else. He's commanded it, he's asked to do it, so we obey. Now, I know different people have reasons why they don't want to be baptized. First, probably the number one is well, you know, I was, I was sprinkled, I was baptized as a baby. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that as a form of dedication. We dedicate children, we pray over them, and I think it's great that parents dedicate their children. But again, like I said, you had nothing to do with it. You, weren't, you didn't accept Christ at that time as a baby. Now, if you're old enough to understand, you know, you get to four, five, six years of age, then it becomes a choice that a person can make, or older. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I have certain limitations, well, I've over the years gotten to baptize hundreds of people, and it's truly one of the great joys of being a pastor, but I'll never forget baptizing a, a, a man who's now in heaven, who was a part of our church for a long time. He sat right back there in a wheelchair. He had no legs. His name was Floyd. Some of you probably remember him. We baptized him, and he had no legs. We carried him out. We baptized them, and it was just such a joy. And we've had other people with different limitations. Sometimes we, you, we've had people that just, for whatever reason, back problems or whatever, or we poured water over them or something. Where, but see, it's symbolic, but the important thing is they're doing it as a choice. They've made that decision. Now, let me also say, baptism does not save you. If you've invited Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're saved. So baptism does not save you. And why we know that is because in the book of Acts, Paul, no, maybe I think it's in Corinthians. Paul said, I, he was preaching the gospel, but he said this. He says, I don't baptize hardly anybody. Kind of paraphrasing the words. Well, if baptism was significant to being saved, he probably would have baptized everybody when he was ministering. But he says, I, I don't hardly baptize anybody. He would preach the gospel. He would see people get saved. And we know Jesus with the thief on the cross. You know, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He did not say, you got to get down off the cross first, then get baptized, then you can be with me. So it is important. And let me just say this. If you haven't been baptized yet as a believer, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to, to teach you truth, but I'm not here to condemn you. But I do want to invite you. We have a baptism come up up this Saturday at the Palm Bay Aquatic Center, 10 a.m. If you have not taken that step, I strongly encourage you to do it. And here's what I believe will happen. 
as you come up out of that water, you're going to sense a fresh renewal in your relationship with God because, first of all, you've been obedient. You will come alive, I believe, spiritually. And for some of you, it may be the thing that's holding you back from growing. So I just strongly encourage you. If you can't make Saturday because you're like, oh, I already got this big plan. I'm going to be out of town. We'll probably have another one in a month or two later, and you'll hear that one advertised. But want to strongly encourage you, especially after you hear this challenge from the Word of God. Don't let it be like where these Pharisees, where they miss the purpose of God because they didn't get baptized. Let's keep moving. Oh, I want, I want to share this too, because I, th- I think this is important, uh, related to baptism. You, you see, what, what do I got in my hand here? My wedding ring, right? Does this wedding ring make me married? No. It's symbolic, though. If I'm wearing it on my finger, it's symbolic that I'm married. Am I right? People look at it and say, oh, you must be married, okay? It's like that with baptism. Baptism, I said, does not save us, but it's a symbol. It's an outward symbol to other people that we're a follower of Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to kind of share that as a little analogy to help you and so forth. So let's go on. Verse 28. This all happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, there's another Bethany mentioned in the Bible. That's where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. That's right next to Jerusalem. There's no water there. There's no river. So this is obviously a different Bethany. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Some of your translations may say this. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is why I titled this message, Behold the Lamb. This was a very important thing because here's John. He's out there. He's talking to all these people. He's baptizing. And now all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the picture. What this, the, uh, the experts in, in Scripture interpretation do not believe that this is the time he got baptized, that Jesus had already been baptized by John. This is like John's coming back maybe weeks after he'd been baptized and he's coming up on the scene. And you'll see why here in a moment why we don't believe it's the time when he got baptized because John's already knowing who he is. He didn't know who he was until he got baptized as far as that he was the Messiah. But here's the thing. John is acknowledging Jesus as the Lamb of God. Now remember, these are a lot of religious leaders here. They knew the Old Testament. The Old Testament was full of of sacrifices with lambs. And you think about it. I'm going to share some things here in a moment about sacrifices. And sometimes this is the bloody part of Christianity that people don't like or whatever. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid because they were guilty. But God went looking for them. He wasn't mad at them. But he went looking for them because he wanted that relationship restored. They felt guilty. Guilt Cause you to remove yourself from someone. They tried to hide their nakedness with fig leaves. But what did God do? He killed animals. Innocent animals were killed to give them the furs, the skins to put on their bodies to cover their nakedness. It's the first example of innocent animals dying to cover sin. Abel, we know Abel did it. We know it went through the Passover 
We know with the Levitical law and everything. So throughout the Scripture, there was these lambs that would be sacrificed for the sins of people. This was all a foreshadow of Jesus coming. And look up on the screen with me because I'm, I'm going to highlight some things here to help you understand why this particular, this particular thing of lambs being sacrificed and Jesus being the, the Lamb of God. First of all, it's a foreshadow of Jesus dying for our sins. It's a picture of an innocent one dying for the guilty. And that's what Jesus did, right? He was innocent. He was sinless. And he died for us. We were the guilty ones. Next, it was the perfect dying for the imperfect. Jesus was sinless, like I mentioned, but the lambs that were chosen, they could not have any blemish to them, any spots to them. They couldn't be lame. They had to be perfect. They were inspected by the priests before they could be sacrificed. They had to be inspected as being perfect. It's a picture of Jesus as well as being perfect, but we're the imperfect ones. Next, it was blood shed to pay for sin. But the interesting thing, in the Old Testament, the sin was only covered. It was never taken away. It was only covered. The Bible says that there's life in the blood, and without the forgiveness of, uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Next, we see forgiveness is given. When an animal would be given its life like that, forgiveness was offered it was given and the guilt removed and that was a way for a person who was guilty of their sin be like okay now i have a restored relationship with god again and the last thing is it was an act of obedience that cost something the people had to pay for that lamb and if they were too poor to pay for a lamb they could they had allowances for the poor they could they could use a, a mourning dove again it was same type of principle though the innocent dying for the guilty now we get to Jesus. John's talking. He sees Jesus come. He says, look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. These people were probably like, what? As the Messiah, as Jesus coming, he, he, he's not going to be this political leader. He's coming as a sacrifice like a lamb would be. John likely knew Isaiah 53, 7. It's a prophetic verse. There's a whole passage there about Jesus where it says this. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Talking about Jesus. Now, I just also just share this. Uh, if, you, if you missed it, man, back on January 2nd, Pastor Dave Barnes was here, and at the communion time, he did an incredible time of, at communion talking about the Passover and the Passover lamb and, and relating it to Jesus, and it really stuck with me. But let me just, let's just keep going because um, it's so significant that we understand what Jesus did by coming as that sacrificial lamb. Verse 30, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, what, what does John mean by he was before me? John was actually before him. He was born six months earlier. But see, John knew that Jesus was eternal, that he, that, that he was divine. He knew that there was something so special about him that it wasn't about him being born six months later. He was been always there. And he says in verse 31, I myself did not know him. 
But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. In other words, he did not know he was the Messiah until this time. He obviously knew him as a relative, but he didn't know him as a Messiah. But it says, but the one who sent me to baptize with water, could have been an angel, I don't know, told me, the one, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Here's the thing. John knew someday as I'm baptizing, somebody, you're going to see the Holy Spirit come down in the form of a dove. And when you do, you're going to know that's my chosen one. That's the Messiah. So he's baptizing people. Hey, there's my cousin. He's going to get baptized. And he sees the Holy Spirit come down on him. And it's like he's, re- he's like learned, like, wow, this is the Messiah now. I didn't know that beforehand, but now I know. Let's look at Jesus' baptism for a moment. Matthew 3, 16 and 17 on the screen says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That's such a beautiful picture. This picture of Jesus' baptism. First of all, you see the Trinity there, don't you? Jesus standing there in the water, the Holy Spirit coming upon him, and the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father, this is my Son, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. That is so beautiful. Sometimes people get a misconception of the Father. You know what, you know what the Father's saying there? That's my boy. I'm well pleased with him. I love him. And you know what, something else that's significant about that? Jesus hadn't even started his ministry yet. For each and every one of us, we may not have started our ministry yet, God still loves us. You know, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us before we did anything for him. We know after Jesus' baptism is when he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted and he begins his ministry, but not until that time. It was all after baptism. And the Father's there telling him how much he loves him. To me, that's just very special, especially as a dad, as a grandfather, when I picture the type of love that our Father has for us and you know when John was praying in John 17 he was praying for us as the church and he was praying I pray father that you love these disciples all of us like you love me do you understand that that Jesus wants the father to love you and you and you and you and you and you up there and you online he wants the father to love you just like he loves him that loves Jesus. That's incredible. Many times people don't picture the Father like that. Well, then let's look at the last scripture uh, I want to share with you, and that's from Matthew 3.11 on the screen. And this type of passage is found in all four of the Gospels. We saw it here in John. But here it comes from Matthew 3.11. This is... uh, John, again, saying this, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, 
But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is what God wants to do with each and every one of us. He wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. When I got baptized, I got, I got saved on April 3rd, 1981. I was in my apartment. My, a friend of mine who had been witnessing to me, I'd been resistant for two years, finally invited him to come over. He brought a buddy over, and they prayed for me, and I gave my life to Christ. And they invited me to church that night. It was at Iowa State University on campus. It was like a campus church. And uh, they had an evangelist speaking. I went forward, made a public profession of my faith that, that night. And they said, we're having a baptism after the service over at the pastor's house. I said, well, you know, I was sprinkled as a baby. And they were like, no, you got to get baptized. You're a believer now. You're a follower of Jesus. I'm like, okay, I guess I want everything God has for me. So I went over there. They had the baptism in their bathroom just loaded with people. I, I think I was the first one in the, in the bathtub. I was just excited. I was on fire for Jesus. And I think they put too much water in the tub for the, my size. Because when they baptized me, I, all I remember is water going all over their floor, thinking, oh boy, I made a mess there. But then I stood there in that tub, and they were praying over me after I came up out of that water. And the Holy Spirit came upon me, baptized me in the Holy Spirit with gifts and abilities that I know were beyond me, heavenly prayer language. And I, it was like it started things in motion for me because I'd taken that step of faith. And I'm just here to tell you today, I would not be up here today if it wouldn't be for the power of the Holy Spirit. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important. Seek it. Seek God's power in your life. That boldness, we need that boldness like never before. And some people get all funky with it, and sometimes you see things on Christian TV, even that, oh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like this or that and so forth. Here's what I know. The Holy Spirit will not make you weird. He will make you bold, though. He will give you a power, and as the Bible says, a fire within you. That's what we all need, don't we? So seek that. Ask God to do it. Do you know every day in my prayer time, I ask to be refilled with the Holy Spirit? I need the power of the Holy Spirit, and you do too. In a moment, we're going to close this service in prayer, and I just want to encourage each and every one of you. In one way or another, there's something in this message I believe that you need. For some of you, it, it might be that you need, to get, you need to make a commitment to God today that you're going to get water baptized. You've put this thing off, and you've had various reasons and excuses, and, and like, okay, let the Holy Spirit now guide you. I don't want to condemn you, but let Him encourage you to get baptized. For some of you, it's, it's stepping out in your purpose in life a little bit more, being that voice, that voice for God. For the others of you, You've not really received Jesus Christ yet as your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to pray for you. And you can become a follower of Jesus. It's not a religion. It has nothing to do with this church. It's all about Him. For others of you, you are saved. You know your purpose, but you're having struggle because you feel like I'm powerless. I don't seem like I can do it. I, I just feel like I'm so, like uh, something's holding me back. Well, I know who the holding back is, and that's our enemy. But I know who has way more power than our enemy, and that's the Lord. And he wants to do that through the Holy Spirit, just filling you with the Holy Spirit, baptizing you in the Holy Spirit if you've never had that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, I thank you for these that are online, listening to this message, those who are here in Melbourne, in this part of this service. And I pray for those who, Lord, who need to make that commitment to you today that they are going to get baptized as soon as they can. Lord, help them to do that and help them to fulfill that commitment. And Lord, I pray for those who, who are struggling with their purpose in life. Help them to be that voice, that you fill their mouth, that you be that voice for them in their neighborhood and with their co-workers, with their family and friends, that you will give them a boldness to speak forth your truth, your word, when you open the door. For others, Lord God, they need your power. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to help them, to help them to live for you, to give them gifts so that they can, they can represent you well wherever you have them. And Lord, I just pray you just let your Holy Spirit fall on your people right now. Let your Holy Spirit just come down and fall on people. and Let them experience you in a deeper, more intimate way. Let that fire rise up within them, that zeal that can only come from you. But I also pray for those who have not yet given their life over to you or they've wandered away from the faith. If they were to die right now, they don't even know if they would go to heaven or not. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to them right now about committing their life to you. They will see that you are the answers to life. You bring meaning to life. And that this earth is just us passing through, that we have heaven awaiting for us if our sins have been forgiven, that true salvation comes through the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. And if that's you right now and you want to make that commitment to God, following Him and inviting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then let me lead you in a prayer. It's not about the exact words of this prayer, but it's about the meaning of it in your heart. Just pray this, just under your breath. Father, I invite Jesus Christ now into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior. For I know that Jesus came to this earth to die for my sins, and then he rose on the third day. Please send your Holy Spirit to live in me so I can follow you from this day forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.